Well, Ben, that is such um, such a, a, a great um, yeah a great time to celebrate and worship. And um, man, if you see our worship team, just let them know how much you appreciate them because the work that they put in to um, provide the music for today is just super super special and so um so let's i mean they may not be able to hear but let's thank god for for them and um we need to uh talk to jordan batterby to get seen about that split personality thing that he has going on but really really good really good so uh merry christmas and uh and i i hope you have an insignificant christmas Whoa, whoa, I didn't come. Wait a minute, Pastor Marvin. I did not come to be insulted on a Christmas morning. It'll all make sense in a few minutes. You know, Christmas is um, this day, this time, can, where people can feel insignificant, and they can feel unimportant. Uh, they can feel um, like, like ordinary and unseen. And, and yet... Um, uh, I, I think that, that during this time, um, our eyes ought to be open a little bit more to uh, those that are struggling during this time. Um, and, and yet God shows up in the insignificant moments. He shows up in the seemingly insignificant and ordinary and unimportant moments. Um, I think we tend to pass over the seemingly insignificant and the unlikely, but God doesn't. God actually uses those things. Samson used an uh, insignificant and ordinary jawbone, and he won a battle. David used five stones, and God was in it, and he beat Goliath. Elijah used a little flour and a little oil to expand and to bless a widow and her family. God used a small cloud to, uh, to lead his people. Uh, Jesus used mustard seeds, a smallest seed, to, to, to make an illustration of how powerful faith can be. Jesus used two small fish and five loaves of bread, and Paul talked about the foolish things of the world, and it seems as if God takes all of these insignificant things and all these insignificant and ordinary things, and he shows his power in these moments and in these little items. So why should Christmas be any different than what God typically does? Um, God invites us to actually find the insignificance in Christmas, the ordinary in Christmas. I believe he, act he actually invites us to have an insignificant Christmas. Well, Marvin, what do you mean by that? It's like that, that doesn't sound very festive. That doesn't sound very Christmassy to tell us to have an insignificant Christmas. Well, well I think it's one of the most godly things we can do is to have an insignificant and unimportant Christmas. Okay, I, I, I know, okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me share with you why this makes sense. All right, so if you have a copy of the scriptures, turn with me to Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two, and God invites us 
to do several things. He invites us um, to do at least three things to show the godliness of the insignificant, the godliness of the unimportant, the godliness of the seemingly ordinary. Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, and um, it is uh, uh, one of the places where we see um, the, um, uh, the Christmas story. So the first thing that God, I think, invites us into is, number one, is travel to insignificant places. Travel to insignificant places. So, so the happening places during this time was actually Rome and Syria, uh, it was the Roman Syria, they were the seats of power, the places that really mattered during this time. No one really cared about Palestine. No one really cared about Israel. It's, Palestine was kind of tucked away in a small pocket, and nobody really cared about it except God. Our, our little story actually talks about the weak places talks about the insignificant places. And there are several that jump off the pages. I want you to take a look in chapter two, and I want you to jump down to uh, verse number four. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth and uh, to Judea, to the city of David, which is, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So there are several places, at least two places right away. Number one, Bethlehem. Bethlehem was really, um, it was important while David was king in the Old Testament, but after he got off the throne, after it was an insignificant and obscure place. In fact, it's not even talked about very much after then. It is obscure and yet, if you look, and the verses will be on the screen, Micah chapter 5, verse number 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, uh, you are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And so Bethlehem was actually insignificant, unimportant. And yet God said, the king of kings and the Lord of lords will come from this insignificant place. Another insignificant place that jumps off the, the pages of scripture is Nazareth. Nazareth is situated in kind of like a basin. Um, to the north and east were steep hills, and to the west and uh, there were hills that raised like anywhere from 16 to 1,700 feet. And Nazareth, so it was secluded. It was obscure. It was considered um, a morally laxed place, kind of like Crete. Like, like nothing good came from Nazareth. And in fact, one of Jesus' future disciples asked the question, can anything good come from Nazareth? And so Nazareth was an obscure place. It was a horrible place. It was a place where no one wanted to be named. And to say, if, if you said you're from Nazareth, people would turn their noses up at you because of it. And yet, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, lived in Nazareth. 
But there's another place, the, another place that was insignificant, the manger. The manger, um, it was a common cow trough, uh, but it's mentioned, it's mentioned in our text at least three times. Look at verse number seven. Verse number seven, and we see, and she gave birth to her firstborn, talking about Mary, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and lit cloths and laid him in a manger. Look at verse number 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And then look at verse number uh, 16, where uh, it says, and they were, and they went and with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Isn't it just like God to put eternity in the common? He put eternity in the common cow trough. Insignificant place, seemingly ordinary, and yet we find God in a cow trough. But there's another, the fields. The fields is another insignificant place. The fields were located outside the village of, um, of Israel, uh, outside the village of Israel. God brought the message of hope and peace and salvation to a farm. And God takes outside villages and obscure places, and he brings profound mystery to them. Here's the point. When God comes near, all insignificant places become important. When God comes near, all insignificant places become important. I don't know where uh, the insignificant places where God might be calling you or might be calling me. Now, I have to say that this message is more of a challenge for all of us during the Christmas season. It is about um, not that, that we all do this and we go to insignificant places. I think this is a challenge for us to say what insignificant place or ordinary place or obscure place might God be calling me, not only this Christmas, but even for 2023? What, what, what are the places that nobody wants to go to? Maybe it's an insignificant neighborhood in our community. Maybe it's an insignificant uh, business that nobody wants to touch. But when you and I show up in those places, guess what? Those places become important because we bring the presence of God with us to those places. When we were in Africa um, in, at Mamlaka Hill Chapel, there's a group of women that um, they, they go to this community where it, there's just a lot of immorality and women are like they, they're they're giving their lives away. And yet these godly women show up in this place on a regular basis, having conversations, saying that there's hope beyond where you are. So what insignificant place might God be calling us this year? Here's the second thing. Here's a, here's a second way I hope we all have an insignificant Christmas this year. God invites us to talk to insignificant people. 
he invites us to talk to insignificant people. Now, the important people of the world during this time were Caesar, Augustus, and Quirinius. Uh, These men were the movers and shakers. When they spoke, things happened. When they spoke, literally people jumped and they, uh, they answered their beck and call. They were the individuals that were super, super important during that time. And yet what showed, the people that show up in our text, they are seemingly unimportant. They are seemingly insignificant. They're seemingly ordinary. Mary and Joseph, again, in verses 1 through 7, we see Mary and Joseph showing up. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Again, a, a decree went out, important person that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered. They did what they said, each of each to his own town. And here, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, Mary and Joseph were poor. They were poor. They didn't have anything. They, they didn't have a spot. They literally, when they got ready to offer, they offered doves. Offered, when they got ready to offer sacrifices, they offered doves because doves were, it, it was a poor person's sacrifice and offering. And yet God chooses to talk to Mary and Joseph, the poor of our world. Another group um, that we see are the shepherds, the shepherds uh, 8 through 18 of Luke chapter 2. They were religiously and theologically shepherds were very important in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but socially they were social outcasts. They were social outcasts. They were symbols of the downtrodden. They were symbols of the marginalized in society. They were associated with the lowly in society during that time. And yet God brings Christmas to a bunch of outcasts and marginalized and lowly men. This group of outcasts became the custodians of the gospel, the custodians of the good news. And, and here's the point. When God comes near, all insignificant people matter. When, when God comes near, all insignificant people matter. Mary and Joseph were poor, and the shepherds were outcasts, and yet God comes near to them. He comes close to them. He gives them. Mary and Joseph, becomes, they become custodians of the king of kings. The shepherds become custodians of the gospel to share this good news with the entire world. It's just like God to take the poor of the world and give them the most important jobs. And yet for us, and and again, we love the influencers and TikTok and uh, Instagram, love to to highlight the influencers of our world, and yet God calls us to those who are seemingly insignificant, those who are ordinary, those who are obscure. I don't know, maybe, maybe there's someone, in, in, for those of you who are in high school and middle school, maybe there's a kid in your class that nobody wants to play with, nobody wants to talk to. 
And maybe, maybe God is calling you to be a light to that person. Maybe, maybe you're in, in college and there is a, a group of people on your campus that no one, no one wants to have anything to do with, or maybe they, they shun them. And maybe, maybe God is calling you to actually befriend them. I remember in high school, um, I was a sophomore in high school, and there was a guy, he was new to our school, and he sat behind me, and he had, he, he, he just had an odor. It, it, was, it, was, it was nauseating. Every single day, it was like, it was, like I, it was hard for me to, um, to stand it. And, and I, would, I would show up, and I would, I would just kind of hold my breath you know, kind of breathe through my mouth throughout the class. And I, I look back on that time and, and I wonder if God put that person there for me to show kindness. And I did not show as much kindness as I should have and needed to during that time. And he, he ended up transferring uh, the next semester, and, and I still think about that. The fact even that I'm bringing it up, I think about it now that I wonder if I missed an opportunity to actually do what Jesus, what God did on Christmas to talk to insignificant or seemingly insignificant people. You see, you see the... the, the the image of God is stamped and pressed on every single person. And every person in our world deserves dignity, honor, and respect. No matter how irritating, no matter how annoying, no matter how much we don't understand them, God has stamped his impression, his image, eternity in every person. And Christmas is all about God showing up and talking to insignificant people. And again, it's, I think that's our invitation as well. Now, do we get this right all the time? No, we don't. Some days we are, man, we got so much going on and so many things going on, but this is about being attuned. This is about being attentive to the Spirit. This is about slowing down. It is about what the, uh, the French used to do, take a turtle for a walk. And, and really the idea of taking a turtle for a walk is, is the ability is to amble along, to go slowly in life, to say, God, is there someone in my sphere of influence? Is there someone you desire me to talk to? Now, I know, I know, I know, Marvin, you don't know the people in my world. And yet God says, I talked to shepherds, they were outcasts. I talked to Mary and Joseph, they were poor. And God says, man, I want my people to show up in ways to say, hey, how's your day? It's something just as simple as how, how are you doing today? How's your day? And, and, and maybe God will, will stamp something in that moment. That, that allows us to see that God is using us to talk to, opening our mouths. And I know it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to, to do that, um, but, but when God comes near and we represent God in that moment, 
all insignificant people matter. Okay? So here's the last one. Here's the last one. Here, here's the last one. Um, transform insignificant events. So we're talking about um, showing up and um, traveling to insignificant places, talking to insignificant people, and all of these are seemingly insignificant, right? We know God says all people matter. But then the last one, transform insignificant events. There were several events that um, that were seemingly insignificant during that time. And the first one is a common census, that, that they're counting people. They have to go to their towns to be registered, to be counted. A common census. The birth of a baby. I know the birth of a baby is, um, I know we say it's a miracle, but, but, but there were more babies being born the same time Jesus was being born. It was a common thing, babies being born. It's a beautiful thing, but it's a common, it's a common thing. A census is common. The, the birth of a baby is common. And work. Shepherds were doing what shepherds do. They were watching their flock. They were doing what they did every day. These things are seemingly ordinary, insignificant, obscure, just ordinary events. And yet God shows up in a common sense to get Joseph to his town, Bethlehem, for the baby to be born, for the prophecy to be fulfilled. A birth of a baby, obviously God wrapped himself in human flesh in the birth of Jesus and that birth, that, ba- that baby being born was super, super significant. And shepherds, while they're working, God turned their work into something that was redemptive and powerful and important. So here's the point. When God comes near, all insignificant events become redemptive, important, and spiritually powerful. So no event in God's economy is just an event. Every event has the potential for God through us to turn it into something powerful and redemptive. So if we're attentive and attuned, I believe God can take some of the most insignificant events in our lives and bring power to them. How about when you exercise? For those who like exercise, like who does that? When you walk or when you run or when whatever you do in terms of getting your body moving, that can become a significant, powerful event. An event where you and I meet with God where you and I actually hear God speaking to us in those moments. What about when you are going on a coffee run for a friend or a family member and, and you step into Big B or Starbuck or, um, or the Blue Owl and, and, and you go there and, and you're about to get your coffee and if you and I are attuned in those moments, maybe God is saying, hey, there's a person right behind you or there's a person right in front of you. Look at the countenance, their countenance and maybe uh, a smile or maybe a, um, uh, a 
a hello or how are you doing, that moment can be turned into something significant. Or maybe it's buying the person's coffee behind you just to, this is a moment of generosity to say, hey, I, I, I have no, like I don't even know you, you don't know me, but you know something, I want to buy your coffee today. How about turning your drive into not just listening to news, but maybe it's a a moment where you and I are silent before God and we hear God speak. Or maybe you turn your, your car drive into a sanctuary where it is just you and God. Say, God, the day is before me. I don't know what's ahead of me. I want you to go ahead of me. I want you to be in the meeting with me. You can turn, we can turn an ordinary driving event into a moment of power and a moment of significance where God shows up in a very powerful way. Shoveling snow. Shoveling snow is the most ungodly thing in the world. Can I get like an amen? The most ungodly thing in the world. And yet God in that moment can show up in that moment while you and I are shoveling and or instead of Using bad words, shoveling snow, we can say, God, thank you that I can feel this and thank you. And maybe, maybe he will actually prompt you, here it is, to go shovel somebody else's snow. That ain't God, right? No, that is. It could be where God says, I'm going to turn an ordinary event of shoveling snow into a powerful, redemptive moment cleaning the house. It's normal. And yet, even as Margaret said, as she's getting ready to prepare for worship, we can turn that event into a time of worship and praise. So next time you're vacuuming, turn the music up loud and have a dance party before God, or washing the dishes, or if you don't have a dishwasher, or even loading the dishwasher, baby showers are coming up. Baby showers, what, what, what about turning that event into a very, very powerful moment? A lot of football games coming up, watching the football game, the Michigan and TCU game, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to watch the game. I'm saying, okay, can, and is there any way that I can turn a Michigan game into a time to worship God, Harry Rumor? <laughs> and yet, maybe, maybe that's a moment where we invite people over, and, and, and we, we have an opportunity to show hospitality, or having, hosting a game night and turn it into something that's super, super significant because when God comes near, all insignificant events become potentially redemptive, important, and spiritually powerful. So here are three questions that I have for you, and, and, and that's it, three questions. If, if God traveled to unlikely insignificant places to advance his purpose, where will you go this Christmas? And again, this is a challenge for all of us. It's not something like, man, I've done this, and it's not no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. Just, Just asking the question, where will we go this Christmas and and possibly take the good news? Here's the second question. If God talked to unlikely and insignificant people, 
who will we talk to this Christmas? And maybe you're going to a family function and there's that family member that nobody wants, like, like, please, Jesus, don't let them come. And yet maybe God is saying this Christmas, I want you to sit down and have a significant conversation with them. Third question, if God transforms insignificant ordinary events, what event does he want you to transform with his presence this Christmas? And again, it could be an event that you're, you're a family event or a Christmas party, after work Christmas party. Um, again, all of these, I think God will give you. I can't, I don't know all the places you will go. I don't know all the events you will go to, but maybe... Um, at least walking into zo- to those events saying, God, how do you want to use me in this event? How do you want to show up in this event? Who do you want me to talk to? And, um, and maybe what places do you want me to travel? Last year, last year we, um, we partnered, our family partnered with uh, City Life, and, um, and they do something called uh, bless the worker, and um, and it was a it was like a really it, it was a really cool event for uh, for our family. And and bless the worker is simply there are there are convenience stores, gas stations, and other uh, places that are open right now, and they had little gifts for the workers. And we went around to several gas stations and other places that were open. And we just simply, it, it, was, it was something, it was, um, it, it was a small little token, but the, the, the light that was on the face of those workers, like somebody actually thought of us. While everybody is opening gifts, while everybody is uh, spending their time on Christmas morning, that someone actually thought about us enough. And I, I love that Jerome and City Life did that. We met this guy by the name of um, Jesus at um, the Rite Aid that's right off of um, um, Lake Lansing, I believe. And um, he, he said, you know, I got up this morning, had Christmas with my six kids, and then came in. And, um, and we just talked, and he just said, thank you. Thank you for thinking about us. And so, so again, I have no clue where God might be leading you. I just want to put it before you as a consideration. What are the places, who are the people, and what are the events that God might be inviting us to go, to talk to, and to maybe transform with his power? Let me pray for us. So, Father, thank you that you showed up um, to, in Bethlehem. Thank you that you showed up in Nazareth. Thank you that you showed up in a manger, and thank you that you showed up in the fields. And you invite us to go to those places as well. Thank you that you talked to Mary and Joseph, the poor. Thank you that you talked to, um, to the shepherds, and even though Quirinius and Caesar Augustus, they were the influencers on uh, the TikTok of, of Palestine during that time, and yet you chose Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, and we pray that you would put people on our minds to talk to, to have significant conversations. 
Thank you that you showed up in the, um, a, a common birth of a baby and a census and work. We just simply ask that you would put before us for consideration events that we're going to be attending that, um, that we might transform with your presence. Thank you for your people. Thank you for um, your love for us. And I pray that you would help us, yes, to have a Merry Christmas, but an insignificant one as well. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, God bless you. And again, Merry Christmas. And thank you for braving the weather to be here this morning. And uh, on behalf of the elders, as I said last night, the elders, the deacons, all the staff here at Trinity Church, uh, Merry Christmas, and we love you. And thank you for being a part of this church. God bless you. Have a great rest of the day.